welcome to the 44th Toronto International Film Festival. You lucky, lucky people. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spore of the Warning podcast. This is our 2019 Toronto International Film Festival coverage of Waves. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. Um, this week, we are continuing our coverage of everything that we saw at TIFF. We have just a few more films for you, and then we'll be done. I know you, there's been a lot of things heading into your feed, but we're almost through it all. Yeah, we'll be back in the mode of suddenly going two or three weeks without hearing from us <laughs> any day now. <laughs> but I still have... Uh, uh, Death the Dick Long, which mm-hmm. is coming out this weekend, uh, that are just yeah. ready to go in and the, the can. And the homesman is going <laughs> to pat it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we are here. We're nearing the end. We're not going to take up too much more of your time, but let's get to a little film called Waves, um, which this was like a semi-late, like we had it, but we thought other things were going to take it away from the list and then... We shifted a few things around, and then we came back and went, ended up seeing Waves. Um, yeah, it, it was one of those movies that soon before we got there, I started hearing praise of it, and that made me make sure that I would keep it on our schedule. But yeah, basically, the, it made it into Sunday, and part of the benefit was it was the same theater that everything else was Sunday. Yeah. So it, it kind of fit too nicely. But yeah, it was a movie I knew pretty much nothing about going in, except for it was getting some fairly positive buzz out of either venice or the first week of tiff i don't remember if it premiered in venice or not gotcha uh, well uh we are going to talk about it do you know if there's a trailer for this one yet love is patient love is kind love is not rude it doesn't boast love also forgets wrong How I do It's been hard Hasn't it? Let go of a prayer for you How you doing with everything? Okay Just a sweet word You know it's okay if you're not The table is prepared for you I'm trying to give you the tools to succeed in this world It's not easy out there Everything I do is for you Everything I know you're under a lot of pressure right now But I'm just getting really scared Everything's gonna be okay, all right? Always. We're in this together. Um, Waves is the sort of story of a young man who's kind of a star athlete in uh, high school and is sort of has a lot of pressure being put on him by his family. And it's sort of about um, what happens to him 
as he tries to work with all this pressure, potential physical ailments, <laughs> um, and a bunch of different stuff. And then so how, I guess, those decisions cascade like waves through mm. other characters and people in this universe. I don't, I don't know the best way to describe this film. Um, but Stephen Miller, what did you think of Waves? So I had never seen a film by Trey Edward Schultz before. I knew that critics quite liked Kresha and It Comes at Night. Um, after seeing this movie, I A, understand why critics like his films because his filmmaking style, I think, is very unique isn't the right word because Terrence Malick kind of does a similar thing. But it, does, it has this kind of like vibrant roving camera quality that i quite enjoy and also i did not like this movie <laughs> very, very much both of those are true like i think his his skill his craft is on display but his craft does not seem to extend to telling a story um i think we were talking after this film it, it seems like this is what i imagine euphoria to be I've, I've never seen euphoria but just very 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 heavy-handed look at adolescence and it it goes to some dark places. Um, yeah. The synopsis on IMDb, I was just looking it up to know what is or isn't a spoiler. All it says is two young couples navigate through the emotional minefield of growing up. <laughs> Whatever. So I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what is or isn't a spoiler. All I'll say is this is a movie that lobs a lot of themes at you. It lobs uh, oxy addiction. It lobs abortion. It lobs violence. It lobs... Um, familial anger and the way that like pressure can kind of get passed down like waves. Um, and it, it, it is trying to talk about so many heavy things. And I think it just does it with, with no subtlety. Um, yeah. One strong criticism I feel is this is basically two movies glued together, which again might be part of the point because they're like waves. So it's like one is a recurring or inverse <laughs> of the other. Like one is about someone's decline and another is about someone being lifted up again. Um, but it just doesn't fit the story at all. Like, it seems like a formal exercise that doesn't play out. And I think the second movie, if it were the only movie, I think would actually be pretty good because the the lead character, I don't even know if it's a spoiler to say who who leads the second half of the film, but the, the lead character, I think, is quite lovely. And the, the story it wants to tell is much more delicate and human. And it hits me in a little bit more of an ad astra place of, like, we're going to talk about, like, big <laughs> themes of, like... Or, or Terrence Malick, like, we're going to talk about redemption and forgiveness, and we're going to try to show someone grappling with that. The first half of this movie is just, let's pile on every terrible thing that could possibly happen to one character. And I, I gotta say, like, I wish Trey Edward Schultz were not a white guy, because knowing that a white guy wrote and directed this movie about a black family where the the son feels pressure from his father where that pressure is often angry and he lashes out in various ways. Like having so many of these things happen just to him, it it just felt off to me. Like it, it felt like I was watching like a Saturday morning or no, and like an after school special yeah. where the person who is making the special is not the one who should be telling that story. Like it, it, it felt like a narrative cheap shot. And for all I know, he collaborated with the actors a lot. And maybe th this is a very human, real story that he's trying to tell. But it, it just came off as, like, cheap melodrama. And y'all know I can be a sucker for cheap melodrama. Like, <laughs> I mean, cheap being the operative word. But melodrama, at least. Like, you know, Short Term 12, I loved Blackbird. We both teared up. We cried. We knew exactly what was going. Knew how heavy it was going to be. Cried anyway. 
this movie just feels like it really hits you over the head with it. And it it tries to be too serious and too philosophical for the story it's telling when the story is very much like cheap television drama to me. So yeah, I love the way it looks. I don't like the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that as it started, um, I kind of like the the sort of stylistic flair of the intro to the film, which is sort of just let's take us through each of the members of this family and show them in this quick montage so you can see like the quickness of their life and kind of do it in a really flashy, fun kind of way. Um, and from there, after that, I definitely started to get those really, really heavy euphoria vibes, which if you're anybody who has talked to me about that show, you know that I actively dislike that show. I don't think it's good. And um, I don't understand the praise that it's been getting. Um, but both this film and euphoria, one of the things that is hard to deny is that it's a very, very flashy beautiful um thing where there's like lots of heavy saturation and like cool spinny moves and kind of just a frenetic energy that um maybe is supposed to make you feel like you're on some sort of drugs or whatever um i, I assume it's more the drugs in euphoria and more the pressure of life in this film but there is there is enough substance in the style of the film to kind of keep me along for the ride through most of it um as sort of more of the shit starts to hit the fan in the story um it did feel extremely like things were just piling on and it went it went from being a thing where it's like oh, okay we're gonna watch the downfall of this character maybe because of decisions that they made for because of things that are being put on their shoulders um both literally and figuratively mm-hmm. <laughs> um but then like as it starts to build i'm not sure that i fully believe the trajectory of just how bad it gets for this person it's very sudden toward toward the end of that arc yeah yeah and it's it's sort of a thing where it's kind of like why do we need to like why what what were we what were we trying to tell with this specific story and did you nail that because i as it started to kind of just get more and more there it just sort of made me not care less about the character, but it made me feel a little bit more and more disconnected as it kind of began to feel unrealistic of the the tone changes and the, you know, basically the, the shift of where we're watching this character go from being in control to out of control. And that in and of itself would be enough to kind of make me start to reel away from this film. But then, as you mentioned, this is two separate movies. Um, It feels a lot like the filmmaker wanted to tell two separate stories set sort of in the same universe, very, very loosely connected. So loosely connected, in fact, that there's like a line where somebody's like, do you know how I'm connected to the other story? And the character's like, yeah, that's cool. And then it's never mentioned again, right? Like it just feels... And and also, I, I don't even think you really see the family of the second film's lead character very much. Like, it becomes a story that is all about the the rest of the surrounding stuff in her There's another character who comes in who is kind of the rescue, who just shows up, and the film is like, hey, we'll just follow him instead. Yeah, yeah. And, like, and that's the weird thing, too, is maybe, maybe I would feel a little bit different if I wasn't sitting at a festival, seeing a lot of films in quick succession, and then seeing characters who appear, like... I'll just say when when Lucas Hedges' name appeared during the opening credits, I was like, "Huh, he's in, like he's in a bunch of things. That's yeah. cool." And then like 
It was an hour and a half before he was in the movie. Like, mm. you see him for maybe 10 seconds. Yeah, at like a wrestling meetup. It shows his face for a little bit. Yeah, and then I was just like... There's no way did, they hired him for that. Yeah, did he really, like, get a title credit just for this one scene? And then he comes back for the second part of the story, which has incredibly cute moments in it. Like, mm-hmm. um, the, the like the, yeah, I, I, there were things that I enjoyed about the second part. But it just was such a jarring change of scenery and change of narrative that it was really hard to carry me along with whatever it was the filmmaker was trying to do. And I think that I just wore extremely tired of where we were going. Um, Yeah, I just – this film sort of slowly started pushing me away. And then when it switched films, I could never grab on to the second half because – I was just so confused at what the point of doing this split narrative was. Yeah, yeah, I think the split narrative really hurts the like the the pace of the movie because this movie is exactly as long as Marriage Story, 2 hours 15 minutes. <laughs> I I mentioned in our Marriage Story review that that even though it was the longest Noah Baumbach movie, it felt like the quickest because just everything moves by at such like a gliding pace. Yeah. This 2.15 felt like three and a half hours to me. Oh, yeah. The, it definitely felt like the, it to me. Yeah, because halfway through the movie, I was sure it was going to be done. And I would have been not satisfied in that, like, I'm completely thrilled about the movie. But I'd be like, yeah, that was, that was a whole story. I get it. Okay. End of movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it just feels like it keeps going and going. And you know, I mentioned the second one. I think if the second were its own movie, just with like a little fleshed out beforehand, so you know the context of the character, I think I would really like this movie. Actually, it's hard to imagine putting myself in that situation, but it it's way more like impressionistic. It's very earnest. the The Lucas Hedges um, interactions are extremely charming and very cute, and I think it is just getting at something more more subtle and less explored in films, which. If I said what it was getting at, I would already be spoiling it. Yeah. But it, it, it's a feeling, a flip side of a coin where you rarely get to see that one. And I feel like that is an interesting way to approach the story. But I just wish it wasn't preceded by like an hour and a half of what felt like the most traditional high school type narrative ever with just every heavy handed thing pounded at you. And that isn't to diminish the people involved. Like I feel like the cast does a pretty good job of selling the melodrama. Like I, I liked... Um, I like the main stars who play the two leads. I like Sterling K. Brown as the dad. Like, I, I thought, I believe the dynamic he has with his son very well. Um, but it just, like, it feels like a flaw from the very premise. Like, it felt like the moment he wrote down the, like, three-sentence summary of what he wanted the movie to be, someone should have been like, no, man, no, cut one of those sentences. Like, yeah, yeah. You can't have all of them. Well, see, that's the thing, too, is let, let's pretend you wanted to make an argument that the first film in this pairing of films smashed together um, is required for the story of the second film. The problem is that before we start the story with the second character, we don't really see them. We we don't see their mindset. Mm -hmm. Like we see one moment of time where they are sharing, uh, they share a bathroom with another character and you see a lot about their character in the interaction with um, the person in the other room comes home from a party and is a little messed up and you see care there in that moment. But outside of that, we don't know how insular they are as a person in the real world. We just know that they're in the room next door to the character where uh, the other character are watching. So it's, it's not even like you can 
look at the whole entire thing as watch this transformation this character goes on because we don't get to learn any information about the character until the second half starts. Mm-hmm. So it just feels it just feels narratively so strange, so strange. Yeah. It, it it's a really weird decision and I feel very conflicted because I guarantee you like when we get to our ratings in the end if I were giving it a star rating, it would be much higher than the rating of the recommendation that I'm about to give it. <laughs> because I feel like this is a movie where I, I like parts of the quality a lot. Like, it, it is rare that I've seen a movie where I I like the filmmaking craft so much and I like the way the story moves along so little that it blinds me to the joy of it. Like, it, <laughs> I, I, don't, like I feel like how you must feel a lot. Because <laughs> I feel like for you, this happens all the time where, like, yeah. <laughs> what the movie is about gets in the way of whatever other like positive attributes it had. And yeah. This is one of the few times when I, I was just so actively annoyed at what it was doing. And I, I'm not the right person to say this. So take this with a huge grain of salt. But I think this movie is like maybe problematic, even in the way it tries to tackle these subjects with a kind of lazy, heavy handed brush. Like I, I feel like it is not, it, it sucks that pretty much every movie we saw except this one was like, a almost only white cast yeah. and this film with a predominantly black cast feels so heavy-handed and like it is doing a disservice to that cast like it, it it's weird it it makes me feel weird yeah yeah for sure yeah so i like i i wanted this to be more honest than it is and it just feels like someone else read a newspaper headline and was like i'm going to make a movie about that let me do my fanfic of what this family would go through and <laughs> yeah it, it just annoyed me yeah, it would be interesting if we could have seen this, um, like, during the first week of the festival where there'd be potentially, like, a Q&A or something where we could hear the, from, you know, the writer's mouth what they were thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, all we could do is get right back in line and watch Uncut Gems. Yeah. <laughs> and the ironic thing, too, is the, the, the films that we saw at this particular theater um, – where th- this theater did not have assigned seating and the show times by the time they let you out of the theater there are already people in line to get into the theater that you are about to run back into mm. so it was definitely a situation where we were coming out of the first movie judging the line and deciding whether or not we were going to drop waves from the schedule altogether so that we can get a good seat for uncut gems and when we came out I'd be lying if I didn't think to myself, maybe we should have just gone and got lunch yeah. and then got right into line. <laughs> I was pretty hungry also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, but yeah, should we get to official verdicts? Sure. All right. Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving it a pass with a caveat. I, caveat being, I think some of it is actually really good. <laughs> um like, like not just that the filmmaking is good, but I like the the mood he sets up. I like the flashes of color. I like the general look and feel of the film. I think there are like whole stretches of ten plus minutes that I really enjoyed. <laughs> no, like like ten plus minute chunks, like multiple yeah, yeah, yeah. scenes throughout, back to back throughout the film. Yeah, where yeah. I was like, if I were just watching this movie, I would be really into this. Um, the the downside is just I think the whole movie as a work on its own is a not very good like not a very well told story not a very well paced film and also as i mentioned like gets into even kind of icky territory in like who it decided to use to tell this story so i am interested in trey edward schultz's work 
but I cannot recommend this movie to anyone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel the same way. Um, I was not happy by the time that this film ended, uh, mostly because uh, it wasn't even like a bait and switch feel. It was just kind of like, oh, I wasn't fully on board with the first movie. Why, why would I be on board with the second movie? Mm. Um, I am glad that there were moments of levity in the second one that... Um, and like the meet cute scene is is pretty amazing and ridiculous, and I l- loved that moment of the film. Um, but then I still had to watch a very very long protracted film that I didn't care to be sitting through. So for me, I'm going to give it a must avoid. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just didn't care for waves at all. Yep. Sorry you, if I'm making waves. Yeah, you know what it reminded me of actually it was uh, Big Little Lies and the the romance that happens in season two where. There's a there's a character that comes who is like the first nice guy of the whole show, and all I could think of is like, please don't do anything terrible, please don't do anything <laughs> terrible. Everything about the show tells me you're going to do something terrible, and yeah, this movie had that character for me, and it, it worked. But the whole time I was clenching, like, fuck, what is he going to do? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, well, that is going to do it for a review of Waves. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at twitter.com/sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know the episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning, Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning, or Instagram.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at TheSpoilerWarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. We have just a few more episodes left um, to, for our TIFF coverage. We have Knives Out and we have Uncut Gems. Um, so stay tuned for those and we will see you in the next reviews. This is Canadian content and it's time we take credit for it. Starting now. Oh, oh. Canada!